0: To Truth in Us Art. We're once again doing Truth in Us Art Beyond, and we're in Philadelphia. Uh, And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a low brass multi instrumentalist. An educator, composer, and arranger living in Philadelphia. From jazz to salsa to ska music, they work in many genres. They are a member of the seven piece brass heavy band Snack Time, which was created out of necessity at the height of COVID, performing free shows in Rittenhouse Square and quickly amassing local notoriety and is known for its soul energizing street performances. Please welcome Sam Gellerstein. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yo, Rob, thank you so much for having me, man. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you for for coming on, and um, you know, it's like as a fellow. I mean, yours is much more immaculate. But as a fellow large bearded man, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's like Voltron. It's like forming. It's it's great.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. No, it's a it's a, a it's a, a benchmark and a landmark in my face. So I know everyone likes it.
0: yeah that's great um so before we get too too embedded and too deep into the convo um i want to start off with sort of this introductory thing like what's what's the story What's the sam gellerstein story um and uh you know where does the story begin how many years have you been playing music give us those sort of details
1: cool so i was um born in brooklyn new york um and I lived there for about four years as a kid. So I was raised and then I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I was raised. Um uh I played like a lot of sports growing up and um but I always had like a, a real love for music. My mom was uh my mom was always doing community theater. She went to like art camp when she was um when she was a when she was a kid and so music's always been in my life, you know, it's like I always remember with my mom and my dad playing different records that I really was attached to. So um, I went to middle school and then I chose to be in the band and started picking up the trombone in about 2006. And then I, I'm just kind of a person that like once I like, uh, I don't know, like once I, I'm good at something, I like to stick to it because I like, I like instant gratification, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, you know, I was good at the trombone, so I kept to it, and they kept practicing, getting better. And then I um, went to high school at Dillard Center for the Arts in Florida, uh, Florida, which is a music magnet. And um, I was there playing football, but I was also, you know, playing jazz band, and I was going back and forth. And, you know, I was doing good at both, but, like, you know, not excellent at either. So... Something I had to give, and then the summer of my sophomore, well, the summer of my freshman year, I broke my ankle playing football, and then summer of my sophomore year, I like cracked my sternum, and push came to shove, and I was just done getting hurt. And that same summer, I went to the Florida State Jazz Camp, and it was a lot more rewarding, and uh, you know, it was a lot better to get praised for being good at trombone than getting yelled at for football stuff. So I, I, I determined to focus more on music and that was around 2010. So uh, I finished up at Dillard Center for the Arts and that was kind of a place where um, we would do a lot of, you know, we would do a lot of like national jazz competitions and it kind of got me into the doorway with like other sorts of uh, national jazz camps and bands and stuff like that. So I made the determination that I wanted to go to school for music. So uh, in 2012, I went to University of the Arts in Philadelphia, as you guys know, on Broad Street. And um, yeah, I did my undergrad there. I loved it. And then I did my graduate degree at Temple University. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So following that, I got done with grad school. And uh, it was 2018. I was, at that time, still uh through grad school i was working at federal donuts uh and cooking solo that whole camp so that's sort of my for, my foray into food and drink and then after 2018 i graduated grad school i started teaching in the school district of philadelphia uh 2020 the pandemic all around so i was teaching in the, in the school district until 2022 but around 2020 is when snack time started and uh i don't know i, I guess we can get more into the sort of snack time later yeah. but yeah, I um, just been following a path, man. Just kind of been following what feels right for the past ten years here in Philly, and it's taking
0: me to some really cool places. I love that. I, I love when um, you're you're following something and the instant gratification. I mean, it's it's the, the us millennials, uh, <laughs> even that don't really respond yeah. to that. But yeah, and, and, and,
1: I, and I and I say that it's like it's like it's kind of a joke. Like obviously, like you know, anyone could tell you like i work my ass off and like i work really hard but you know i like when when the hard work leads to something
0: so (laughs) yeah um and i mean you know it's very very similar like i've been doing the podcast thing for it'll be 14 years and uh And then, you know, if it's like, oh, yeah, overlay success, I was like, no, it's not. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) It's just more work and more fun and more opportunities and just kind of following that path. Um, And I always go back and think about some of those early inspirations and, you know, reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So for you, what are some of your like early inspirations, whether it's music, whether it's education, whether it's um, even in food? So tell me about that.
1: Uh, I'll tell you that. The first time I knew I loved music was—I um, mean, beyond the fact that I loved a lot of records growing up—but the first—the first thing I really remember touching me musically was um, the movie *Drumline*. Uh, I saw in the theaters. I guess it was came out in two thousand and one or two thousand two. And there's a scene where they're playing "I Believe I Can Fly," which, uh, you know. They're doing like some sort of like whatever, you know, orchestral high school band arrangement of it. And then at one point, like Nick Cannon goes into some sort of like hip hopy drum cadence thing. And I'll never forget Excuse the Honking. Um as you guys know Philly, uh Philly <laughs> Driving is no fun. So excuse the honking. But yeah, so they, they bring into this hip hop cadence and I was just like floored. I couldn't believe it. It was like it was like I didn't even know like, you know, what I was feeling. And then later on in the movie, um in the stone uh plays and it's just like so much just amazing music in that movie that i never had heard before And it's not like i wasn't hip to Earth, Earth, fire or whatever but it was just like not necessarily in my daily listening so like listening to that music really kind of changed uh my life and then later on in 2004 i saw school of rock which was a <laughs> If you guys are familiar with that, Jack Black movie where he's a substitute teacher and he makes the kids learn how to rock. (laughs) And yeah, that that movie I watched over and over and over and over and over again. And it just, there was something about it that just touched me and just something that really like resonated with me. So that, those those two movies, and then, um, excuse me, um, and then later on, um, that year, I think it was maybe two thousand and five, Green Day's American Idiot dropped, and that's the first record that I ever like wore out <laughs> absolutely played it every single second that I could, and it was those were like my initial things in the music, and then later on you know i hadn't even played instruments until this point like i didn't start playing trombone until 2006 so it's like i wanted to play drums or guitar or bass like a normal person but you know uh life didn't leave me that way so um yeah so i I got picked up the trombone and then started to learn about these ska bands and Scott took me to, you know, the world of punk rock and ska and reggae and learning all these other kinds of musics. And I like really saw like bands like Street a Manifesto. That was my first show that I was ever able to go to by myself when I was like 13 years old or 12 years old. And I remember like crowd surfing at that show and and like, uh, like this feeling of euphoria that I just don't think will ever be replicated again in my life, just that feeling of like listening to your favorite song on top of a crowd. It was just very, very magical and that's a really transformative moment for me is that first show is a whole wheat bread, really the Manifesto, Really Fish and MXPX. So yeah, really uh really good stuff. And that's just, you know, the beginning of my musical life and shit. And that's kind of what set me up for the rest of my life, I feel like.
0: nice Nice. Thank you thank you for sharing that. Uh and it, it's funny cuz it kind of answers two of those questions. So you did a little bit of a daily double there. So shout out to you.
1: Yeah, I try to I try to be as efficient as possible.
0: So let's let's talk about Philly a little bit. Um and like like how does like Philadelphia kind of inspire your creativity, your creativity currently? And you know, what would you say its cultural identity is in the city?
1: Yeah, so since I've been in Philly in 2012 I've really always felt this feeling of like, not to, not to use a tired analogy, but obviously the city of brother love, et cetera, et cetera. But like from the beginning of me being here, there's just such a community of, especially in my community before I knew anything else out communities. our um, it It's really about each one teach one and bringing people up and not about, you know, making your, making your, uh, your brand the best It's about, you know, Making the next thing better for everybody else. So I think that that's a really a really big benchmark of the Philadelphia art scene is is taking people with you and, and sharing the information that you have versus making people figure it out on their own. And I think that that's something that I really try to do myself in a lot of the work that I do. I really want to create a lot of opportunities for people that know how hard it is to be a musician, I know how hard it is to be an artist. And if I can do any work in my own life to create opportunities for other people, then I think I'm doing you know what i what I hope everyone else can do, and also what was done to me as well
0: so so I, and and I've kind of gotten that sense in in doing these interviews up there, um you know, recording a lot of them at Rec Philly and being around sort of creative folks. And you know people are like interested in what I'm doing, whereas in some pockets, um, cause I'm I'm based in Baltimore, so I go up there and in some pockets, uh, you know, in other places, people will say, oh, okay, cool. I guess that's the thing that you're doing. Whereas there, people seem genuinely like, oh, wh- wh- tell me more about this. And I kinda got that, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it's really, it's, it's really like, you know, you have places like New York, where it's this place where it is so, so insanely, insanely busy and there's so much you could get into there. And it's like, in Philly, we have this same sort of big art community, but with a little bit more room to like, not necessarily um, flourish, because obviously it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to do that, but there's just more room for more people to be here and to shine. So I think that that's a really big, important part of what's happening here is that everyone is like, Trying to, like I said before, bring each other up, and yeah. you know, it's not about like if I create this opportunity for if I create this opportunity for myself or for somebody else, rather than it won't be there for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think some places that have this sort of idea of scarcity, I, I think Baltimore isn't in that that way. I think Baltimore is very similar to Philadelphia. And I think Philadelphia is a little further ahead in terms of, um, you know, that that sort of trajectory where, you know, there are resources. You can see people that are doing things. And I think we're right behind it. We're we're coming up next in that regard. And yeah, I I think there is this sort of sentiment here where I'm a black podcaster. That can only be one of us, you know, and it's like I rather help the next guy versus look at them as competition. And that's really all my thing has been about and what this really comes out of. It's like, who's doing the interesting work? Who's in the fringes? How can I talk with them and give them a platform to share their story? That's really what, what this is for me.
1: It's a beautiful thing, man, because it's important because, you know, it's like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, there's so many podcasts, so many this, so many of that. But like, if you can touch one extra person that maybe wouldn't have heard my story or another person's story or your story, And that's an effective thing, man. Like, it's not always about having to have to be famous or have this crazy reach. It's just sometimes about starting with like, how can I directly communicate and work with my community? And that's just by doing what makes you happy.
0: So with that, I think that's almost a natural segue into talking about snack time a bit. So let's yeah. uh, let's get into that. Um, h- how did it come about, and um, what is the significance behind the name?
1: Cool. So basically, um, during the pandemic, um, I I alongside um, Jeff Bradshaw started a um, essentially a, a Jeff Bradshaw is like a local Philadelphia like kind of celebrity musician. He toured the country and is Beloved in the community, but um, he, he and I sort of was discussing over the pandemic um, in the wake of deaths of uh, Breonna Taylor, and model Aubrey, George Floyd, the likes. That we wanted to do some sort of demonstration using our instruments, and um, we we had the conversation. We we're like, oh, we want to get a huge huge band together bring it to the streets and you know we have the idea it'd be like let's do it at the art museum so the art museum of philadelphia we uh we got on the, those are the rocky steps If anyone from uh not philadelphia is listening to this but uh so yeah we all got the steps and there's you know 100 100 plus of us and we just played and we made sure we were talking about you know holding police accountable and that sort of pivoted into more demonstrations, which we would bring out um, headcount.org and other community leaders that could that could talk and make their messages heard louder because of the bolstering from the music. a lot, of, everyone loves music, so it's like it we bring a lot of different kinds of people out. And so basically, we did that for um, a couple months, and then uh, it sort of uh, naturally dissipated a little bit as. As the world opened back up, because people were getting back to work, etc. Um, so, so, prior to that, um, I'll try to make it brief. Um, um, I, I was uh, working with a woman named Jen Zavala, who owns a restaurant called Juan Tamale. At this point, she was just doing pop-ups. And she asked me to, basically, uh, if I wanted to do a collaborative uh, event with her. Being, it would be the. Uh, Mixture of highlighting lesser-known chefs yeah. and different musician groups every week or every month, rather. So, mm-hmm. so the first one was um, me and her, and I hired a group of friends, and I called the event snack time. And, and, and so uh, this was February. Sorry, this was January of 2020. Um, we booked the next one. It was wildly successful. Sold out. And then the pandemic happened. So then that's after that is what we did uh, when I started to do Hall for Justice. And then uh, as we get back to outdoor dining opening back up, Jen hit me up. She's like, hey, like, you know, I'm going to be having these big lines for this event and I would love to, you know, have you guys come out and like make some music and like, you know, you know. And the problem was, was that we couldn't necessarily bring amplifiers and microphones because it was outside so I uh, figured like you know I've been in brass bands so long that I figured okay like let's make it a brass band so we lined up and we played you know I called a bunch of friends and we just played a bunch of covers and it wasn't even necessarily like it was like a smash hit I think that we were so far away from people and people were like kind of like you know being a little cautious of you know big wind instruments during the pandemic but we just liked it it just felt so good to play with friends it felt so good to you know we made a little bit of money too which is always nice but like it just felt so amazing to like playing music with your friends we hadn't worked and we hadn't played music in months besides like in our house you know and there was like a big uh there was a big to do about um all these online recordings so everyone was just basically recording themselves and making like a little bolstered together uh, Instagram video. So like to play real music with friends was so amazing. So then following the, um, that we kind of just started to like go out, outdoor dining opened back up. So we, we just started playing outside of this restaurant called Park, which is in the middle of Rittenhouse Square. And People were just excited. The streets were closed off. The people hadn't heard live music in literally months. So people were just, you know, they'd have their cocktails and they'd be sitting outside eating their meals and they would just watch us play. And we would do that two or three times, uh, two or three times a week. And the the steam just kind of kept picking up and picking up. And then from the, the then we started playing birthday parties. Then we started playing this, that, and then the city would be like, oh, and then. You know kind of kept rolling on and you know basically through through playing at the park we were you know we've really been able to get to all these amazing places and it's an, it's an really wild
0: ride that's that's wonderful and i, I love hearing about that um and, and that's really one of the reasons i became aware i was like what, what's going on here and started just looking into it looking deeper and i just know when i planned out this whole series in philly i was like i'm getting one of these dudes for an interview. That was literally what I said. Um, So what would you say you'd want someone to kind of take away from, you know, snack time, like show snack time performance or what have you?
1: So the, the three pillars of snack time, the organization, the band, like snack time, as much as it is, the band has like many different facets. We, we do food and wine curation. We do, we do events, we do parties, we do, you know, we do community outreach. We try to do everything. The three pillars of it, regardless of what we're doing, are food, community and music, and the biggest one out of all of those to me is community, because to me, music is community, dancing and gathering with your friends and taking a short time out of your life to kind of hopefully put a couple of those things that are stressing you out and just put it to the side and just have a moment to dance with people that you don't know and not be so standoffish and not be so afraid. To be open and i really hope that anyone that comes to a performance just gives themselves that grace to you know be comfortable be in the moment and just enjoy yourself
0: yeah i love that yeah so my my take on snack time on the, the, the social media stalking and so far in this conversation you guys, like the people's champs, you're bringing music to the people. Uh, and from your, your vantage point and being a musician, like what would you say some of the alternative ways of getting your stuff out there um, that, that could be helpful to someone that's like running into a roadblock and it's like, I don't know how to get it out there. Is it take it to the streets, you know?
1: Well, here's the thing. I, I personally have been, I mean, I have been doing different projects and different bands for, for literally since 2006. I've been making original music with different people. And I think a big thing about it is just keep creating, never stop, even if it's maybe not hundred percent financially uh, successful. Yeah. If you believe in it, other people will too. If you really believe in it and take the steps to really like, Put yourself out there people will do it but you have to be creative in the ways you uh not necessarily organize yourself but i guess like you have to be creative in the ways that you put yourself out there because it's not enough anymore in 2022 to just be a musician and be like okay i made this album it's on instagram and now it's on Spotify. like people are inundated with so much social media that you you see something, you forget it instantly. So it's like, what you have to do is, you know, we were lucky. We were a band during a time in a certain place where we were able to go out and make music and people were kind of almost in a way like forced to listen to us. But (laughs) there are other creative solutions to, to being able to be heard and to touching people. And I think that's the most important thing is remembering that we are, when it comes down to it, entertainment. And we are there to make people's lives better. You know, if you want to make music for yourself, that's one thing. And if you want to make music for musicians, that's another thing. But if you want your music to be um, heard and appreciated by a lot of people, you kind of have to do things that people appreciate. So just remembering to always like appreciate the audience and think what would they want as the listener versus like, what can I give as a musician? Because I think a lot of times musicians just like think that, you know, everyone in the world wants every single note, every single chord, every single, like some people just want to hear a beautiful song. So, yeah,
0: that's good. And I, and I think that's where we'll wrap on the real questions. I got, I got five rapid fire questions for you and then we'll wrap up. Uh, to that to point, the point where we get to the shameless plugs. But here's these five rapid fire ones, and don't overthink them. They're ridiculous questions, but they're fun questions. All right, got it. So here's the first one. Um, actually, I have four. Uh, what is? You, know, you can make this Philadelphia specific if you like. What is an overrated snack to you?
1: Overrated snack? Um, hmm. Well, I guess I have to say this because uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm allergic. I'm allergic to these things. I can't just say it, but like, uh, if people always are really fired up about pistachios, I'm allergic to them. But I just—they're just a nut, man. They're not. They're not any better than a walnut or hazelnut. (laughs) Just a pistachio. Other than that, um, thanks, man. Like, I don't really. I don't. You know what? I got one for you. I hate sour cream and onion chips. (gasps) Really. I think they're nasty. I think they're
0: nasty. I don't like them at all. <laughs> I'm I'm allergic to cherries and uh and oh, passion fruit. I love fruit. cherries.
1: Oh, yeah. I love passion fruit.
0: Yeah, it's just a lot of cocktails I can't have that have that in there, so we swap it. <laughs> is it, is it all stone is it all stone fruit? Um, I don't think it's all stone fruit. Like I like plums. So yeah, yeah I, I think it's just it's like passion fruit and I've learned by mistake. It was a cocktail named after me. I had it, I was like, oh, I'm I might die here. This is, this is not great. So, so this one. Now, this is the, the inverse. What's an underrated snack?
1: Underrated snack. Um, mm, good question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see a lot of people talking about this candy, and it's my favorite candy. It's these nerd clusters, these nerd bites. Oh, nice. They basically think of a nerd rope. They're chopped up into little bite-sized pieces. Those are really good. I'm um, still talking about them. Uh, yeah, those are really good, and I think more people should be eating them.
0: I'm a big fan of nerds, especially like the OG, triple OG. The uh, what is it? The great. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good, man. Uh, what are three quintessential? And this actually would be the last one since it's three. What are three quintessential Philadelphia things one must do during like a visit? You know, like like what are what are the things that you're doing that you say, you know what you guys should check this out. Here's some three things you should do over a let's see a long weekend.
1: That's a good question. Um, I'm so food and <laughs> food and drink motivated that I feel like a lot of my things are gonna be that. but I think it, I think <laughs> that if you can while you're here, I would make it a point to go to South Florida Barbecue. that's like I mean as much good food as there is in the city. I mean, I think that that's just like a it's like a church like experience to go there. So that's a big one. Um, the other one I would say is that I do think Philadelphia Museum of Art is really beautiful, but just just more so like I think uh, driving around, walking around, seeing the city. Is just, there's so much different beautiful things on every block that you can really like. Every single place you go, you'll you'll find a different pocket a different culture and it's really exciting you know you might be at one moment in a neighborhood with mostly you know maybe people from Mexico and then you might turn the corner and be in a place with people from Vietnam and all the restaurants and all the different things you could see and experience just by like walking around and seeing what there is to see so definitely exploring everywhere not just like the rocky steps or seeing like you know all the 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 liberty bell like you know maybe I'm anti-colonizer uh, history, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, see Snack Time play. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that if you didn't do it. That was a funny thing about uh, that.
1: I, mean, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that, but yeah, I'm not going to say that. I think that, and I'm joking, but I'm not joking. I think that I'm really proud of what we've been able to curate and I'm really proud and I think the people who come to our shows are the best that Philadelphia has to offer. And that's not just because they support us. I think it's because it's a community that really respects each other and appreciates each other and appreciates what we're doing. And I think that a lot of times musicians are not appreciated. I think they're sometimes treated as uh, as like, okay, like, yeah, music's always here and it's always gonna be good. And that's sort of the intersection of what snack time is, that it's realizing that the food and music are very, very similar. Like we are all treated as if like the food's always gonna be good it's always gonna be hot it's always gonna be on time and i don't care how you're feeling that day i don't care how you know whatever your day is going it doesn't matter to me because the food is my food and it needs to be good it's the same way with music music is like okay like i don't care if you if your girlfriend broke up with you um you know, the music still needs to be good any other job you're allowed to be like hey i'm having a bad day like, hey like i can't really do this as well but like so there's a lot of pressure on us as as, as, as kind of providers of, of entertainment and enjoyment so that's kind of what it is Is that it, 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 it's putting it's putting it all on a uh not a platform but it's putting it all it's putting it all on display to, for people to really appreciate and understand
0: and kind of respect i guess that's that's well said and and yeah, I agree with you. Um. So yeah. in the in the final moments here, shameless plugs, man. You already kind of got you already kind of started it. So let's let's, let's kind of cap it. Let's kind of cap it. Website, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah. One thing about me, I'm always gonna plug Snack Time. So, uh. So yeah, we um we we're gonna be if you're around D.C. We'll be at the Anthem, opening up for the Disco Biscuits uh, on February fourth. SnackTimePhilly.com dot We're Snack Time on Instagram. Uh, through Instagram you'll find all the other socials the only one I really personally pay attention to is Instagram but uh, yeah we got, we're got on Spotify, Apple Music, Entitled check it out.
0: There you have it folks I want to again thank Sam Gellerstein for coming on to the podcast and I'm Rob Lee saying there's art culture, snacks in and around your neighborhood, you just gotta look for it